0: Today on Breaking Bullying, we bring to you another resource to help you when your child is being bullied. We're going to hit that music and we're going to get started. Joining us today is the executive director for the Bullying Recovery Resource Center. She's going to share with us her story and why bullying is such a passion in her life. Drew, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you very much.
0: And of course, joining us as always is my co-host, Tim.
2: Yeah, don't forget about me, Bruce. (laughs) 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 Drew, why did you start the Bullying Recovery
1: Resource Center? That's a great question, Tim. I came to start a nonprofit with my husband in 2018 uh, out of experience. My son was, was relentlessly bullied when he was in middle school to the point where he was diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, depression, and he did try to take his life. My son does have a disability. He has dysgraphia, which means his bimotor skills aren't as adept as a normal person's skills. So that's actually what saved his life because he can't tie a knot sufficiently. He was relationally bullied. He was physically bullied. He was verbally bullied to the point where we took him out of school. I can tell you that uh, when my son was in sixth grade, we had over thirty kids at his birthday party. He, ever since he started school when he was three, he was gregarious. He was funny. He was outgoing. Very talkative. That's what he always got in trouble for was talking too much. Once the bullying started on a very regular basis, he wasn't that chatty, funny kid anymore. As a mom, I saw some big changes happening. It took a lot for us to get the information out of him and find out what was going on. As parents, we reported it and we reported it. We took him sometimes with us and reported it. and we were always told that they were, they were taking care of it, uh, when in fact, they really didn't do anything.
2: What was the first sign you saw in your child?
1: He didn't like school anymore. He loved going to school. He loved seeing his friends. Um, The friends stopped coming over to the house. It turns out those were the kids that were bullying him, which I've since found out is, is fairly common for friends to become bullies sometimes. So yeah, he spent a lot of time at home, alone, in his room. And I know that's not uncommon for a middle school kid, but we saw some big changes. I'll tell you what, Tim, the the most insightful conversations I had with him during that time were driving to him from school because he was sitting either in the back seat or next to me, and we didn't have to look at each other, but he would open up and talk. So we eventually pulled him from the school. He did start a new school on his eighth grade year, but dealing with the, uh, you know, the anxiety, the PTSD, uh, the depression took a while to work through. And we, we got mental health help for all of us, for the whole family. And we did file a lawsuit, and we settled the lawsuit. I can't tell you much about it except that we got all the way through depositions before we, we, uh, we settled. But it was during depositions we found out how truly bad it was. He'd left a lot of, he'd not told us everything. And I found that's very common for kids to do, too. It's a busy place over here. <laughs> i sorry. Okay. I'm
2: just going to wait till it ends. I was going to another question here. Did your son open up to you first or did you approach him first and ask him what was
1: going on? I believe he started telling me he was being called names every day and uh, names I don't want to repeat here. And I had a hard time believing it. He said, mom, I'm being called these things 50 times a day. And I, I'll tell you what, I made some mistakes as a parent. I didn't believe everything he was telling me in the beginning. Um, I, I, I do believe everything he told me was true now.
0: Did you ever get any clarity on why his friends turned on him?
1: No, not. I. My son said something to the fact that he said something to a teacher about one of them, and all of a sudden, all the kids hit. It was a group of several boys in a very small school that turned on him. And while this was going on, What was the school doing Uh, with this? The school told us that they were taking care of it. And what's
0: your son's interpretation of this?
1: That they weren't. I mean, and I can tell you from going through a lawsuit, we, we found out they really had done nothing. They had notified one set of parents out of the multiple children that had participated. None of the children received any kind of suspension or you know, something on their record. It was really swept under the carpet. There was one child that, um, and hopefully you can talk a little, little bit about this, that was an upstander. He came forward. He went and talked to the school officials about, he went to his mom first and said, I know what they're doing to my friend. And he went to the school officials and talked to them. And they didn't do much with that information either. In fact, the next year when the lawsuit was filed, they told him that he didn't remember things appropriately. And he ended up leaving the school as well.
2: Did you confront the school about them not taking care of this business before the lawsuit happened, and what was their response?
1: Yeah, we did. we We went in several times. boy, um, sometimes we went in before school and talked to um, you know the head of school. sometimes it was the counselor, the head of school. Sometimes my son came with us. sometimes he didn't. One of the last meetings we had with them, was the counselor, the head of the school, the assistant head of the school, um, I think his the head teacher in his division and um and we brought his psychologist with us as well to explain what bullying is and um what it was doing and and her diagnosis is of um of my son that ended pretty poorly. We ended up addressing the school board as well and uh, their response to us was, we are sorry that that happened. And we now know that schools rarely take ownership that bullying is happening at the school. There's some liability, there's some stigma around that. So sometimes it's very challenging for a school to take any action or the appropriate action. In our case, it really was very, very little action. So that's why we we felt like, you know, we had to leave the school. We felt like the whole, actually the whole community had turned their back on us. And it was a small private school in the Denver metro area.
0: When you say the meeting ended poorly, Mm -hmm. how did it end poorly?
1: They weren't really willing to do anything. They felt like they had done what they could do. And their best solution they came back to us with was that my son could talk individually with each child that had bullied him. I will tell you that any reputable bullying expert out there will tell you that is not a great idea. That would be like me being assaulted and have to go face the people who assaulted me one by one and kind of make friends with them. That's, that's not appropriate. We shouldn't expect our children to do that either. So it's, you know, uh, one of the credos of our, of our charity is we talk about bullying needs to be stopped. Um, conflict can be managed conflict. There can be, there can be a method or coaching where the children can get through it together. And they're very different things. Conflict. It's two equal parties. And it's not an intent to harm. With bullying, there's always an intent to harm, and there's always a real or perceived power imbalance, whether it be size, whether it be stature, whether it be academics, whether it be social status, popularity. Numbers. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of a lot of what I just mentioned would be true in my son's case.
2: I thought I saw something from the CDC guidelines on how to prevent bullying, and they talked about creating a safe space for kids to go to and you would think that's the responsibility of the school is to do that correct
1: i i certainly do yes
2: did you ask that question to the school like are you guys going to provide my child with a safe space
1: no we you know our our intent is we wanted the bullying to stop you know i i now know that that's that's what a school is required to do that's what the adults are required to do so, you know, we didn't even get that far to like, okay, we get it stopped. Now let's how we're going to create a safe space. You know, since that time, I've learned that, you know, what you're reading from the CDC um, is true, as well as a school that creates a culture of kindness, inclusivity, there's going to be less bullying. They're going to be able to handle it better. If there's social emotional learning that is part of the curriculum too there's a le- there's less bullying there's there's opportunity for the children to learn through this social justice and can some or as um restorative justice practices can sometimes work um it's only if the parties all agree to it but it, bullying it's it needs to be stopped and it has to be stopped by the adults in charge mm-hmm. whether it be at school whether it be at church you know a, a sporting team whatever i could go on and on i'm sure you know that there's a link between Their suicide and bullying, so that's ultimately the number that we're trying to reduce in Colorado. We wanna we wanna keep these kids alive and we want them to go to to school in a safe environment. And sometimes the safest environment for them, depending on where they live, what school district, what the alternatives are, sometimes it's homeschooling. It just all depends.
0: So in the end, you pulled your child out of the private school and homeschooled.
1: No, actually, we put him in a different school. Uh, He started his eighth grade year at a different school. And, you know, Bruce, let me tell you, the first, first entire semester, every Monday, he could not get out of the car. He was terrified. So he missed every Monday of school for, you know, three, four months. A lot of Tuesdays, he'd come in and go sit in the teacher's office for a while until he got acclimated. He really couldn't trust adults or kids, anybody, for a good amount of time. The school was great about. They knew what he had been through. They knew, they knew the struggles he was having, and he slowly they helped integrate it into a, a safe learning environment. The school proved to be a very. It was another private school. It proved to be a very good fit for him, and he graduated there a couple years ago. Actually, yeah, two years ago.
0: Are there lingering effects of his bullying still affecting him?
1: I, as his mother, I I see um, sometimes uh, the anxiety pop up that I that I believe is probably from, from the bullying. Um, he might tell you differently, but you know, I think there's some of that thing, some of those things that are going to stay with him. It was definitely a trauma ridden time for him very much. So.
0: But he is improving.
1: He's improved a lot. So the two things that that I would, I, and we suggest all the time to the parents we work with is probably some mental health help, which we did get for him. And, um, a bullying expert that we're very uh, familiar with. She sits on our board. She recommended that he he do volunteer work. Um, so he did volunteer work at a animal shelter here, as well as uh, he was an assistant camp counselor for a couple of years. And he learned he's really good with young people. So I think that helped him as much as the mental health work and a new school, you know, a lot of adults that were rooting for him, trying to get him integrated back into life.
0: One, it's good that he had you as parents to take up the fight for him because, unfortunately, a lot of children find themselves alone in this situation with parents who don't believe them. And it's really good that he was able to find a school and an environment to be supportive of him.
1: Yeah, we're very lucky. How
0: did it go from you being a parent in the situation to you founding a charity to combat bullying?
1: Well, um, We, since we did file the lawsuit against the school, we were covered in the media, local media here. We were covered in the news, uh, the newspaper, as well as a news station. And they sent our story out to different markets across the country. So it was aired in different markets in the United States. And people began to contact us from not just Denver, but all over the country, thinking that we had some answers that we didn't have. And they had stories to tell us about their child. Uh, that was in a public school or a private school or a charter school or a parochial school that had been bullied and the school, wasn't doing anything. And the, you know, their child didn't want to go to school. The family was falling apart. What are you doing? You know, do you have the secret sauce? And we didn't. And we still don't, but we have learned a lot and we can certainly offer advice. It, no two families are the same. No two situations are the same. Um, but what we we have been down this road and we can offer a lot of hope and we do have a lot of resources and we do a lot of advocacy. So we empower the family to stand up to the school, let them know, you know, what their rights are, what their laws say here, and make sure that child has a safe place to, to continue their education.
2: Can you tell us the steps you had to take to build a case against the school to get to that lawsuit point? <laughs>
1: yeah, we exchanged a lot of information. I, and I don't, I should know the legal terminology for that, but we we got all the records that had ever been uh, associated with my son. And uh, we got boxes and boxes of things. And of course they, they got information about my son through different doctors. He went, he was evaluated by a, a third party psychologist. It was, it was absolutely a crazy, crazy time. Um, so we sifted through all that with a lawyer and you know, determined where their negligence was, and like I said, I can't talk a lot about the lawsuit. Um, all I can tell you is we did settle, and um, you know, I'm under a gag order.
2: and we'll probably get this answer later too. But I'm just kind of curious, like as a parent, what do I need to start doing in order to start showing proof that the school is not taking my my child's bullying issue seriously? Like, what's the first step you had to take? Was just t- documentation taken today's July 11th, 2023, this happened?
1: You're on the right track. Yeah. And so there's, there's a few things we tell all our parents that contact us. First of all, to listen. And I mean, you put down everything, you close that computer, you turn off the phone and you sit and you listen. And it can be very challenging to listen without freaking out. <laughs> and, um, telling them you're going to fix everything. It's You listen to them. You understand them. You tell them they've done nothing wrong, that they didn't deserve this treatment. And together, the two of you will find a way to to work through this. And so, Tim, you're right. You, you, uh, you document everything. We recommend everything. You report every bullying incident. You report it uh, via email. So you always have a copy of it. If you do make a report verbally, you follow up with an email. On July 11th at, you know, 8.30 a.m., we talked about X, Y, Z, and you said you would do one, two, and three. Is that correct? When can I expect those to happen? Just, you know, a lot of follow-up. And, uh, you know, the, the third thing is we do talk to our parents uh, about uh, the child's mental health. If they exhibit some things that, um, you know, they might be depressed, they might be suicidal. Um Is there a huge change in behavior? Are they losing weight? Are they not going to school? Those kind of things. And, you know, possibly suggest that they seek some mental health help for their kid too.
0: So you started the Bully Recovery Resource Center. What kind of assistance can a parent expect when they reach out to you?
1: First of all, I'm going to say the parents that do reach out to us. It's, it's not usually one incident that's happened. It's, usually pretty dire by the time they talk to us a lot of times the child doesn't want to go to school anymore or you know their grades have fallen they quit their sporting teams it could be a multitude of things but what they can expect is they work with an advocate Um, we do a very full intake of what is going on what kind of bullying it is how often it's happened how severe it is what school district all kinds of things if they're in a protected class that's very important um, as you gentlemen are probably aware, you know, children that are in a protected class, there's more laws that we can work with.
0: Lay out what a protective class is for the listener.
1: Um, that's anybody that's in a different race. Um, it could be, could be Title IX, so it can be female, um, especially if it's a male that's uh, bullying them. The highest majority of the clients we work with have ASD, so autism spectrum disorder. Uh, for some reason, those children are relentlessly bullied. So, you know, if a child is under a 504, an IEP, they, there's more laws that uh, pertain to those children because they're under protected class.
2: Is there like a time frame that when a parent's first suspects bullying that they have to wait
1: to contact you? You know, the sooner that they contact us, the more we can strategize and start, start reporting it to the school. There's, there's several things that we can do. We do something called a geps, GEPSER letter which is where we document all the bullying and kind of let the, the school know that they're on notice that, um, you know, this has all been documented. We have dates, we have times, we have a description of the instance. And it's kind of the first step. We do work with lawyers sometimes in town. They work with us. And um, depending on the family, a lot of times that Bullying Recovery Resource Center will pay for those services. And sometimes it's a meeting or two with the lawyer and things kind of get settled. But, you know, there's, there's really not one solution to every case sometimes just having us go in and advocate with them is enough sometimes it's that gebser letter that um, will cause a school to make some changes Um, you know some of those changes could be a safety plan for the child sometimes every once in a while it is a restraining order against the child that is participating in the bullying of another child it just depends You know, we do believe there should be a consequence. We do know that the child that is participating in the bullying probably needs intervention and help as well.
0: I would assume that the schools probably respond much better when your advocate contacts them versus when the parents do.
1: Not necessarily. (laughs) And they really don't like it when when we bring a lawyer along either. No, I mean, I think probably it's ideal if the parent feels comfortable for them to do the advocacy with us coaching them. But we certainly have gone to a lot of meetings with the parents, either on Zoom or, or in person, to make sure that they're represented and that we can offer some solutions. Do
2: you work with families just in Colorado, or do you work with anyone across the country?
1: Well, we, um, we work in just Colorado, but we've helped com- the parents across the country. And the reason why we're in just in Colorado right now is because the laws are different here than elsewhere. Every state has different anti-bullying laws. Part of my five-year plan is to have bullying recovery resource centers in a few other states across the country.
2: What makes Colorado different from other states with their anti-bullying laws? I guess, what's the law in Colorado for for
1: anti-bullying? Well, I can tell you one that we helped pass. It's called Jack and Kate's Law, and that passed in 2020. We helped author and advocate for that. And the two components that that law states is, one, that parents of bullied children are now required to sit on the Colorado Department of Education's model bullying policy update or what you know, it's updated like every two to three years, and there has to be parents that bully kids that sit on there. So that's so those kids are represented. And secondly, Jack and case law also states that if bullying is reported, a school is required to investigate for an imbalance of power. That's what makes something bullying is it's an imbalance of power. A lot of the talking that I do when I go to speak with different groups is we talk a lot about conflict versus bullying and what the difference is and why that's important.
2: So what does the investigation require from the school?
1: You know, there's not a specific form that they need to do. And I'll be honest, most of the schools around here, the districts aren't even aware of the law. (laughs) So we do a lot of education with the school districts about, you know, this is the law and this is what you're required to do. But it means that they need to look into the incident. Was there more than one child involved? They need to interview the children that were there, the bully, the the child that was a target, the witnesses, if an adult was around, they all need to be talked to and see, you know, and see if there is an imbalance of power.
2: Are they required to follow up with the parent then afterwards?
1: No, no. So that's a problem. No, that's a problem in Colorado, right? Other states, I try to keep track of a lot of that stuff, but it's... You know, I know New Jersey has pretty strict bullying things, but there's still a lot of problems there. You know, I think they're far ahead of us um, in Colorado, but it just, every state is different. Texas has a law where it is illegal to tell somebody to kill themselves. Um, That's called David's law. And um, so that, that is not a violation that of free speech. I mean, it's, you cannot tell somebody to go do that.
0: Only Texas?
1: It's in Texas only. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, that's a bit of a surprise that that's the only place where that would be an illegal act. Agreed. Do you ever get pushback from the parents of the bullies?
1: We usually don't talk with them. We're talking to the schools. So a lot of times those folks aren't even brought into it. So it's the parents that we represent. Sometimes they talk to the parents of the child that has has participated in bullying now no, we, we are working with, you know, we are talking with the schools. Even with our own son, it was advised that we did not talk to the parents of the children that were tormenting him.
2: Why do you think there's not a national law, one universal law for an uh, anti-bullying bill?
1: That's a, a really good question. I wish I had a great answer for you. I don't. I don't know if you read a lot of the newspapers, Tim, but, you know, some of the things that are going on in some of our states... Is pretty alarming, especially in regards to education. I know there's there's some states that are cutting out social emotional learning, which at least in my opinion, I think is paramount for our children to learn in school as well as at home. I don't know. And that's that's a really good question. And maybe we need to get together and start doing that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I know schools even cut out, at least around where I'm from, schools cut out Phi Ed. It's like kids need that 45 minutes of activity. You know, <laughs> get their endorphins up.
0: They also need the arts. It's, it's very mind-expanding, teaches them to think about problems in a broader way. There's so much. It's beyond the scope of, of this podcast to go into all the problems with the way schooling has been handled over the past 20 years. In your experience, now that you have this advocacy going, do you have a thing you can point to as the biggest problem when it comes to bullying? Or is it just really a case-by-case thing?
1: Biggest problem, like socially, do you mean? Or is
0: socially the biggest factor playing into it, the reoccurring theme that just keeps striking you?
1: It's, I don't know how this is going to come out, but there, there's a lack of kindness and consideration. I talk quite often about COVID did our children a, a world of hurt. You know, the children sat home for two years and missed out on not just a real education, sitting in a classroom, but also interacting with one another face to face. And um, I have seen a jump in bullying since the kids have gone back to school. I have seen it become more violent. It's, it's, uh, you know, we've had a couple cases where a a child is permanently injured because of a bullying act.
0: And we're talking physically injured, actually Mm -hmm. maimed, not just emotionally. Yes. Just wanted to clarify.
1: Correct. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, it starts with us as an adult. You know, we, we have to model appropriate behavior. You know, we have to model it in schools. We have to model it at home. We have to model it in the media. Our government should model it, and it's not happening. It's gotten really mean at, in places and times, and um, bullying is a learned behavior. None of us come out of the womb disliking somebody because of the way they look, the way they talk, the color of their eyes, the color of their hair. So that is learned somewhere. As a nation, I think we've gone through a lot of crisis in the last several years, and including the adults, and of course that's spilled onto our kiddos as well. In my opinion, it's it's a lack of kindness, it's a lack of inclusivity. Like I said, if 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 it's more of the culture of the schools that there's a kindness, in, inclusivity, and kindness, it's actually taught in the classrooms. And yes, it can be taught. Things would be better. It's not going to go away. I do know that even the best schools that do the best job at it, alleviating bullying it's going to happen there the the point of the what needs to happen is they need to address it and if it's addressed and it's it's not a timely manner either it takes a while to really truly investigate bullying it takes a while it takes man hours and it takes you know some hit in the head against the wall but our kids are dying mm-hmm. you know, it's it's worth it's worth the time and the energy
2: what advice do you give to Parents to talk to their kids on how to
1: cope with a bullying. Well, um, or there's a couple statistics or you know um, things. I know that that children that have at least one good friend are less likely to engage in a harmful act against themselves. So if if parents can foster a good relationship with another person, even an adult, an adult at school that will help look out for the kid. You know if your child is talking about bullying or displaying some differences in behavior to do a little investigation, ask him and ask him open ended questions. Not ask him like, Were you bullied today? But who'd you have lunch with? What's your least favorite class? Why is it your least favorite class? Are you still having lunch with Sally? How come? Why aren't you doing that anymore? You know, so really do a little investigation to see what's going on. Um, like I said, my son, we didn't know everything that happened to him until it was over a year later, because he just a child who is bullied, it's is just just—it's—it's is a lot of humiliation that happens. And you know, I describe it to parents that the job of a child is to go to school and to be successful. And that means possibly academics, that's playing sports, that's playing in the band. And it's also friendships and social status. And when those are falling apart, it can be very embarrassing and humiliating for a child. They don't want to talk about it.
2: Under the Colorado law, what's the punishment for the school if they don't follow up or investigate the bullying, or is there a, a consequence?
1: No, not at this point. Not at this point. I believe a couple states like have a grading system and things like that. There's really not, with the uh, all the statistics out there about bullying, I don't know if they're all true, because schools are not required to report bullying and they, you know, most schools don't want to call things bullying. They want to call it conflict.
2: I have a good friend who works in a school. I asked her, does your school have an anti-bullying policy? And she said, no, not at all.
1: That's that's not appropriate. <laughs> that is not okay. They should at least have the definition of what bullying is. And I mean, and I talk a lot about policies, procedures as well. You know, there's got to be policies, but there's also has to be procedures. If bullying happens, if we found it happened there, you know X, Y, or Z, and the, the punishment should fit the crime.
2: So the you schools know? in Colorado has to, they at least have to have a policies and procedures. Yes, they in do. Place for anti bullying.
1: Yes, yes. One of the things I've noticed in, in Colorado lately is they call it the matrix, and it, if there is a bullying act, everybody gets the same amount of um, discipline. So, for example, we had a family where the child that we were helping, she was jumped. From behind, it was videotaped, and uh, they suspended everybody, including her. We did get the video in front of the superintendent, and he expunged her and let her go back to school. But, you know, that's it's that's not okay either. There's no investigation there. A bullying act happens. You all go away. You know, that's not okay. That, that causes a lot of harm, especially for the child that's that's been targeted.
0: That's teaching a direct distrust of authority. If not only are you being bullied by your peers, but you are then punished for being bullied by your peers. That is, I like the word incompetence. That is absolutely incompetent administration of the school district or certainly the school in question.
1: It's lazy too. (laughs) Yes. Is
2: that common for some of your parents you work with where their kids are being punished for sticking up for
0: themselves? Or not even sticking up for themselves for just being the victim.
1: And we actually, we call them targets instead of victims. As a charity, we do that. Yeah, and that's, that's some of the things that we try to teach our parents because the school will say, well, your child retaliated, and we'll say, no, they defended themselves. There's a big difference, you know, and eventually a, a lot of children are going to turn around and defend themselves, and we've certainly helped those kids too.
2: Yeah, I believe they have a right to defend themselves you know, too. We had a mother on our last podcast where her daughter had to do that. I don't want kids to be violent, but... There, there is right. a point where if you can't get help, you have to defend yourself. You have to do something. That's right. Otherwise, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be on you. You're going to want to be being hurt. But long story short, Alex had to apologize to the person that was bullying Alex. And her mom said, no, nope, not happening.
1: Good. Good. There's a movie, and Tim, I don't know if you've ever seen it, called The Bully.
2: I haven't. I'm going to write that
1: down. They yeah. will never make another documentary like that again. And, and one scene in there that always... About kills me is the child that's been bullied, and the principal saying, Well, you know, you need to shake hands with Johnny or whoever his name is. He's like, I don't want to shake his hand. He bullies me. He's like, No, you're just as bad as he is now because you won't let him shake your hand. So he shook his hand, and you could just see I mean, you could just feel the angst and the, she, I mean, whatever he had, she stripped it away from him. It was horrible. You know, you guys are going to make friends, and that's it. You know, I know he's tormented you, but you got to be the bigger man and get over it. And it's just, I strongly recommend watching the movie, but have a big box of peanuts with you.
2: Is that on streaming by chance?
1: Yeah, that's where I've watched it before.
2: Oh,
0: <laughs> shake hands with your bully, and you're as bad as the bully because you don't want to shake the hand of the person who's torturing yeah. you.
2: I'm not sure if you if you know this answer, but as a parent, you win a lawsuit against the school for bullying. Does the school face, do any staff can get fired? Do they just face a fee? They have to pay, does the school have to pay a fine?
1: That's, you know, it's a good question. And, uh, you know, Barbara, who we work with at the charity, uh, who's the bullying expert, has sat She's been involved in several court cases across the world. They usually don't go all the way to trial, I'll be honest. Usually there's a settlement that happens.
0: No admission of guilt, so it gets swept under the rug.
1: No, no, yeah. You know, in our case, there was no admission that our child was bullied from the school.
2: I just don't understand if there's a law in place, why isn't there a consequence? I haven't heard of that before because every, you know, you go 15 miles over the speed limit, you get a ticket what makes this different? I mean, if you break the law, why isn't there a consequence? I don't understand. I just can't wrap my head around that. I don't, I don't does not make any sense? Then what's the point of having a law if you're not going to force it and there's no consequence anyways? Is it to make the state look good? Like, yeah, we have anti-bullying laws. Do we do anything about it? No, doesn't make any sense.
1: Right, and I, I don't think we're the only one. You know, um, I don't know. It's 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 horrible. And our experience too with the different school districts, there's, the school districts in Colorado, there's some that are doing a decent job and some that are absolutely not. It feels like they're all very individual, and they there's a lot of uh, there can be a lot of angst and friction in the school board in general. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of school board meetings I've gone to, they. They allow um, something like this to be discussed for a whole three minutes and that's it, you know, and then they want to talk about winning the spelling bees and we came in first for the soccer team and blah, blah, blah. I think until the focus, you know, we need to shift the focus and, and try to, we're going to have to solve this. And I don't know all the answers, but I know what we're doing is not working. If we don't acknowledge there's a problem, we can't fix it. So, you know, I think laws that where they're, you know, schools are held accountable, you have to report bullying and you have to do something about it.
2: Well, that's the problem. People realize there's not a problem because like you said, the schools are not reporting it. They're not really doing anything about it. So the public is not aware of it. I have friends who think mm-hmm. bullying is not a big issue because we don't really hear about it on the news unless it's something very right. tragic. Like, you know, a person commits suicide, then you might hear that, but it's not talked about. Right. So some people think there's, this is not a big deal.
1: I agree. I agree. You know, there was the case last year in New Jersey where the young lady committed suicide after being bullied. She was physically bullied, went to the hospital, and then they put it all over social media. And then she she ended up killing herself. And that did make national news. But things like that happen all the time where, the you know, maybe the child didn't kill themselves, but they stopped going to school. Or they ended up with some mental health struggles or, you know, addiction or it's a huge problem, and there there is statistics all over the place that talk about, um, you know, targets of bullying, and um, they have a higher propensity for a lot of mental health pro- struggles and, you know, addiction, uh, difficulty getting a job in the future if, they're, if it's not addressed, um, you know, all the things that go along with trauma, so it's, it's, it's dire it's dire and i know with children i talk to the parents a lot too that you know this is not the brain is not formed Mm -hmm. and i i remember i can go back to being that 13 year old drew and remember feeling like this is never gonna end it's always gonna be this bad because i'm 13 and i can't think beyond you know beyond the feeling i'm having you know at the age of 25 i could think beyond that but and, and of course, a child thinks, you know, it's always going to be this bad. I'm always going to be hated or I'm always going to be called names. And it's it, it can be really it causes a lot of trauma
0: and trauma that age sticks for the rest of your life.
1: It can. Yes.
2: How many families does your resource center serve?
1: Well, we've I think we've worked with over 350 families across the state since we opened and we opened our doors in 2018. Okay. You know, even during COVID, we, we talked to families a lot about cyberbullying um, because obviously there was a rise in cyberbullying. And I also read a lot of articles at that time, too, about children. Like, there were some children out there were like, woohoo, we're online. I don't have to go to school. And I know a lot of children did not return to school after the schools opened up again because it was just safer.
0: You were able to take your trauma and make it an advocacy. What is your advice to other people who might be sitting there having been the victim of bullying? or have been aware of it. Do you have advice for them on things they can do on a macro level to start making a difference in
1: society? Mm. So beyond just parents, so advice for parents would be already different than advice for, for everybody. You know, I've talked a lot about kindness and inclusivity if we can model that as a society. But one of the things I talk a lot about is upstanders and upstanders is that person who intervenes on behalf of a bullying target or for a cause intervene for it to stop. A person can do an upstanding act during a bullying incident. They could be the kid or the person that gets in the middle and says, stop, stop it right now. Or they can be the person afterwards that goes up to the kid that was targeted and says, I saw what happened. Do you want to report it together? Come sit with me today. Let's talk about it. What do you want to do? Do you want me to tell the teacher or do you not want me to? All those kind of things. So and upstanding acts, we can do those at work. We can do it at the grocery store. You know, it's it's kindness. It's, it's really looking out for maybe somebody that doesn't have anybody to help them. We can all be a force of kindness and try to help our fellow citizens out. You know, the more our children see that modeled in the world, the more they're apt to do it as well. I know that's a big kind of pie in the sky answer, but I truly believe upstanders do save lives. Are you familiar with Rachel's Challenge? No. Rachel's Challenge, and actually it was starting in Colorado, and that was the last place they started working. They actually worked across the world before they came to Colorado. Rachel was the first uh, woman, uh, young lady, that was murdered at Columbine High School. And Rachel was the kid that was truly an upstander. She just was. She was the one that she saw someone sitting at lunch alone. She went and sat with them she befriended the kids that didn't have friends she made everybody feel included and cared about so that's what their charity is all about and they they work across the world they are they're not necessarily an anti-bullying organization but that's what they ultimately do and they form something called Rachel clubs at the school so it's long lasting it's not just an assembly and it goes away but the the you know emulating the values of Rachel goes on after after the assembly and after the talk is over.
0: Do you have any advice or wisdom for somebody who might suspect that they are the parent of a bully?
1: The best thing we can do in that situation is talk to your child about empathy. You know, what do you think that other child's feeling? I can give you an example. My son, and it's very, this is very common for a child who is bullied to turn around and become a bully. There's statistics that say kids that participate, you know, as a, that are the target and then turn into the bully, probably are going to experience the most detrimental trauma and and you know ramifications of that if it's not addressed. So my son uh, engaged in some bullying acts about a year after everything stopped for him. We found out. We reported it to the school. We came in and talked to the dean and. They did not want to give him any consequences because they knew his story. They knew where he came from. And as parents, we insisted that no, (laughs) there needs to be a consequence. He did something wrong, and there needs to be some kind of consequence. So he received a strike, which is three strikes near out at the school. So received his first strike, as well as he made an apology to the person he harmed. And he asked that person, you know, should I do it in a letter? Do you want me to do it in person? She said, just write me a letter and don't ever talk to me again. And that's what he did. But it gave him an opportunity to become whole, too. He did a, uh, something that was unacceptable. He got punished. He made it as right as he could, and everybody could walk away. So it's important, you know, if you do find your child is engaging in some some acts that are, are bullying or unkind, to address it, to talk to them, to see if you can... You know, how do you think that you would feel if you're called those names or, or people pushed you down a flight of stairs or, you know, or took your, your things and threw them in the trash? How would that make you feel? Those are missed opportunities if we don't talk to our kids about them. I talk about this a lot, too. You know, at the age of, of 13, the consequences are pretty mild. You might miss a few days of school. Um, you might get a grad grade on, a, on a, an exam. But in your 20s and 30s, if you engage in those activities that are bullying or they could become violent and things like that, there's jail time involved and things. So, you know, if we can if we can start teaching our kids young. That, you know, there's if you do bad behavior, there's consequences. You know, let's let's talk about what we're doing here.
0: So, Drew, I want to thank you so much for joining us from your house right there at the straightaway at the Colorado National Speedway. In closing this out, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share on the topic of bullying or advice or any particular thing that we didn't manage to cover that you feel should be put out there?
1: You know, I guess, uh, you know, the one piece of advice is if you see something that's going wrong, either do something about it or stand up and speak up about it. Go report it. You know, ask the person that it's happened to, whether it be bullying or something, make sure they're okay. You know, we're all in this together and we can all help each other too. So become an upstander.
0: And if somebody wants to find you, reach out to you, how would they do that?
1: Uh, We have a website. It's uh, bullyingrrc.org, And that's probably the easiest way. I could give you a phone number too, but um, all that's on the website as well. And there's a lot of information on there as well as a lot of blogs about different types of bullying, what to do. We touched on a lot of different topics tonight, adult bullying, things like that. So it's all on there.
2: Wonderful. I think it's so cool that you started a program like this and I hope you're able to grow this out over the country because obviously we, we need it.
0: If somebody out there is thinking about starting their own organization, you know, maybe get in contact with Drew, I would have a lot of advice for you because we need advocacy groups like this in every state. And if you're that person with that drive, get in contact.
2: This just popped in my head just now. Do you have any tips for organizations on how to start a successful anti-bullying program in their community? Like, just like one tip, like what's the most important thing they should focus on?
1: You mean like in a school setting? I mean, I I, I would recommend that parents always look for, read the bullying policy. So we all get this student hand, handbook, yep. which I hate reading every year, but I do it anyways. Make sure there's a bullying policy, make there's, make sure there's procedures, make sure there's, there's specific procedures of what they do if they discover bullying, and look at the harassment policy and procedures as well. And if they don't look right, or if there is none, contact the school and talk to them. Tell them you'll help write them, and I'll help you write them, too. If they want to contact me, I can help you do that as well.
0: Perfect. Again, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thank you so much, Drew. If you do
0: live in Colorado, Drew and the Bully Recovery Resource Center can help you legally. But if you're anywhere else in the country, while they cannot give you legal advice, they can give you advice. So feel free to reach out. And as for us, if you want to reach out to us, you can do that at gmail.com. And don't forget about our website, www.breakingbullying.com. Now... Aside from the Bullying Recovery Resource Center, we have two other resources for you to reach out to if you are dealing with bullying and need help. The first is the government's own bullying website, and that is www.stopbullying.gov and also www.pacer.org bullying.
2: If you're having dark thoughts or feelings of self-harm, please reach out to the National Suicide Hotline at 988. I'm Tim Flynn for Bruce Noxon. Thank you for listening, and join us next week as we continue the conversation to break the silence on bullying.